our journey around the world to crown a champion is going to start in a few moments' time. Green flag at the back. Formula One in 2024 begins when the five red lights go out. The new season is underway, and it's a good reaction time for Max Verstappen. Little bit of a wiggle when he applied the power for the second part of the start, but he maintains the lead. Charles Leclerc trying to go around the outside. How brave is he feeling? He's not. He's in second place, and it's Sergio Perez who finds himself in fourth. George Russell is in third place. The spinner was Lance Stroll in the background for Aston Martin. It's Max Verstappen with the lead. Who will be second? There's damage to one of the salvers in the background there, falling to the back of the field. I believe it's Valtteri Bottas. Side by side, the two McLarens go. Verstappen, then Leclerc, Russell being harried, and it's Lando Norris who was ahead of his teammate. So that's Hulkenberg is cleared, and then they're going to have contact. Oh, that's all on Hulkenberg, isn't it? Just drifted into the back and completely rear-ended Stroll. Great getaway from Valtteri. There you can see Hulkenberg, and I think, does he touch the back of Hulkenberg as well? That is a pass for position. That is Lando Norris getting past Fernando Alonso. Alonso pleasantly surprised yesterday that the green Aston Martin was quick over one lap. But he was worried. This is George Russell trying to go all the way around the outside and get past Charles Leclerc. And he'll do so. What a way to start your season. George Russell with a fine move. The McLarens have steadily passed Fernando Alonso. Lando did it a while ago. This is Oscar Piastri sneaking up the inside on the previous lap. He draws alongside the Scarlet Ferrari. Leclerc has been driving on his mirrors time and time and time again. And to the inside, car 11 at turn 11, Perez improves. He's up to third place. And this is going to be how Sergio Perez got past. It's going to be a lock-up. There it is. He got so close to Russell, actually, Leclerc. But he's kept doing that lock-up in these opening laps. And he's done it again on lap seven. Lewis Hamilton is in the slipstream of Fernando Alonso. These two had a great battle here last year. There is no battle this year. Hamilton getting past, and Alonso's fears about the race pace are proving correct. Two Ferraris about to do battle. Monza all over again. Look at the sparks flying as the teammates go wheel to wheel. To the inside, Carlos Sainz. Charles Leclerc refusing to give it up, but he's got no choice. And that was elbows out brilliance from Carlos Sainz. Sainz has been called in. There is the one move you're allowed to make. Perez knows what's coming, tries the up and under, applies the power. Super aggressive stuff and position gained for Sergio Perez, who moves in to a net second place in the race. Leclerc's also got ahead of Sainz in, in the pit stop phase. That's an interesting call from Ferrari to invert the cars effectively by pitting Leclerc first and giving him the undercut over his teammate. That's a late lunge and a half, my word, from downtown to take the place from Carlos Sainz. He came from another postcode. I love it. I love it. I love to see drivers having the confidence to send it on the brakes. And if you want to win races and you want to win championships, you've got to have that kind of bravery. Oh, another chance. Here we go. Big sparks flying down into turn number one. Carlos Sainz has the fastest lap of the Grand Prix. He's got the bit between his teeth. He's got all the racing cliches that you want. But either way, he is driving in a way at this circuit that we've never seen from him before. It's been the Charles Leclerc show in the past. That is a rocket ship move. Say goodbye to Carlos Sainz because he's going to go and chase the Red Bulls. This is how he was able to take the place. 
no fight at all from the Alpine, waving him through. Just sorry, state of affairs for uh, for Alpine, not least qualifying on the back row. They're not even putting up a fight with an RB. Horrible pit stop for Valtteri Bottas. He's been there for 39 seconds as they tried to get wrong tyre. Where have we gone here? Is that the nut being delivered? So that's the nut back to the gun. And this is game over no matter what happens so pit stops this is one of greater consequence in the Grand Prix George Russell coming in nice and early getting another set of the hard tyres Bottas uh, it's reminiscent of the nightmare he had in Monaco a few years ago 52 seconds and race ruined the Scuderia get out ahead of Lando Norris who was the threat there and it's very close in the background and is it going to be a position gained Piastri dives to the inside claims the place off the road tires are cold Hamilton takes it by the time they get to turn number two and it's eighth position for the Mercedes driver this next little section were quite telling but he's quite close to George can he get away with turn 10 without any under rotation yes he can but no George Russell can't George Russell off the road Charles Leclerc will join him side by side but with the inside line heading into turn 11 and all of that hard work lap after lap after lap pays off the Ferrari is up to fourth place in the season opener Grand Prix and Charles Leclerc finds a way back the green Aston Martins on the main straight and that swap of position for the drivers, two-time world champion and driver who's won here before. The only driver in the field who was racing here in 2004 in the first Grand Prix in Bahrain that is still on the grid today and he's up to ninth. Yuki driver swap, driver swap. So Yuki doesn't love that idea. We're talking about working with a senior team. They've got to work with their own drivers at the moment. So Ricardo knows the. Oh, there the, it is. Yeah, there we go. Opens the door. Ricardo goes through. Sonoda listening to the team instructions. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Sonoda didn't love the team instruction and he's not being shy in reporting it. The Dutch driver continues his domination of Formula One. New year, but no new winner. Max Verstappen still the driver to beat. Max Verstappen wins the season opener. He takes the Bahrain Grand Prix. And Max Verstappen is lighting up a trail once again. Red Bull expected. Red Bull delivered. And Perez comes across the line to make it a great day for Red Bull. They're one and two across the line. Chased home by Carlos Sainz who put together a superb performance down at turn one with overtake after overtake. He'll be satisfied. This is the Outlap F1 podcast featuring America's own John, James, Andy, and Deanna. Your one-stop shop for Formula One news, insights, race previews, and reviews. Join us on the Outlap. <laughs> What's up, Outlap F1 Nation? This is episode, this is season six. This is episode number four of the Outlap F1 podcast. It's the 2024 Bahrain Race Review. You've got Andy, and I'm along with Mr. Cody tonight, or today, actually. Uh, I apologize if it kind of looks like I'm broadcasting from heaven. Uh, I haven't exactly died, but uh, this is how the camera picks up the daylight, which we're not exactly used to doing. So, um, but uh, Cody, it's good to see you again, my friend. Uh, how's 
how do you enjoy the race and uh how you doing i'm doing well i thought the race was all right um definitely not the most exciting way to kick off uh formula one season i guess uh we'll get into that that it was more of the same really but yeah i agree with you it's a little weird doing this in the daylight i was like you know had my big curtains here closed and i was like man it's really dark in here i wonder how i can you know, I got to turn on the whole lights. I'm like, wait a minute, there's lights. <laughs> Real light. So yeah, it's a little strange, but it's, uh, it's good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're going to get into all of the fun little bits of the Bahrain Grand Prix, the good, the bad, and some of the ugly, as it turned out, uh, especially off the track. Um, but if you found our show, welcome. Uh, you can still find us as always on Twitter, Instagram, Discord, Reddit, and of course, YouTube. At Outlap F1 Podcast is the handle there. Uh, quick little service announcement. We had some issues with our Bahrain race preview getting to Apple Podcasts. So what we've had to do is we've had to kind of go around it. And we've uh, created a new Apple Podcast thread. It's in our link tree. It's on now all of our social media. Everything is updated. So all you got to do is actually really simple. You just click the Apple Podcast link. It'll take you to where all the new episodes are uh, and just follow that thread. Once you get that, then you're all set up on your Apple Podcast app like you were before. Uh, I'm trying to get the old feed restored. I don't know how successful I'm going to be at that. Uh, if I can, great. If not, we're going to have to go with this new one kind of moving forward. It's just kind of the, the internet being kind of weird on me a little bit. So um, apologies for a little bit of the inconvenience, but we appreciate uh, everybody who wants to follow our new thread uh, and continue to follow the show. Uh, you can email the show as always, chat now at outlapf1.com. Still working on the website. Got to work on that. www.outlapf1.com will be back uh, up as soon as I can get that resolved as well. Uh, Outlap F1 Nation, you continue to step up. You are awesome folks. Thank you so much to Dean Warwick, Yuri Dolchester, Paul Weaver, Quentin Warden, Kevin Kelly, Regan Stanzik, Timothy Brown, and of course, Jonathan Scott. If you'd like to become a member of the what we call the hashtag Outlap F1 Nation, uh, you can see our anchor page uh, for support, dollar, five dollars. All goes into making the show better, helps us fix the little tech problems here and there that come about. So we appreciate uh, any support you'd like to give us. Uh, you can see our, like I said, uh, link in the show notes. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure that it's there. Uh, and you can also use the good folks at Manscaped if you want to check out their line of products. You can use our code OUTLAP. It still works. 20% off and free shipping uh, with the code OUTLAP. That's O-U-T-L-A-P, all one word. All right, so we had a race this morning, <laughs> if you want to call it that. I guess we'll start with our headlines of the day. Cody, I'll let you go first. What you got? So we're going to start off the exact same way that we left off <laughs> last season. Sky is blue, grass is green, and Max wins races in 2024. Uh, it looks like it's going to be more of the same. And I know a lot of people, myself included, are, are getting sick of the song and dance. I really like Max. Big Red Bull fan, but uh, it's getting a little boring. And the only way it's going to be entertaining to me now is if he wins all 24 races. And <laughs> to get to that point would be a lot of pain. Yeah, I mean, uh, my headline is pretty much in line with yours. Uh, mine is new stuff, same as the old stuff. Uh, can't say it for anywhere else as yet because we've really only been to one track with this uh, year's cars. But Red Bull racing is absolutely untouchable around the secure circuit. Uh, I have no doubt about that after the display we saw today. Wow. 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 
All right. So we will uh, go back and we'll talk about the qualifying. Qualifying was actually really interesting. I thought we were going to actually maybe have a really interesting thing brewing with all the qualifying, but I will recap it for you now. All right. So going out in P20, the Alpines, and we'll have to talk about the pain of the Alpine weekend. That was Pierre Gasly. P19, the other Alpine, Esteban Ocon. Wow. Uh, P18 was Logan Sargent. P17 was Zhao Grand Yu. P16 was Valtteri Bottas. P15 was Kevin Magnussen in the Haas. Actually, I would say that's better form for them. Uh, P14 was Daniel Ricciardo. P13, Alex Albon. P12 was Lance Stroll. P11, Yuki Tsunoda. P10, probably the overall star of qualifying, if you really ask me. Nico Hulkenberg in the other Haas, making Q3. P9 was Lewis Hamilton. P8, Oscar Piastri in the McLaren. The other McLaren checks in in P7. That was Lando Norris. P6 was Fernando Alonso. P5 was Sergio Perez. P4 was George Russell. P3, uh, I'm sorry, P4 was Carlos Sainz. P3 was George Russell, excuse me. P2 was Charles Leclerc. And in P1, with a lap time of 129.179, Thanos, the inevitable, Max Verstappen. All right, so it's been a while since I've had to do that read. I apologize for some of the... uh, Technical issues there, but uh, Cody, big thoughts on the qualifying. Well, my first reaction came in Q1 with, holy crap, that Alpine car is awful. Uh, yeah. I popped into Q1. Uh, Gasly and Ocon were down in 19 and 20, and I figured, oh, everyone's coming around and finishing up their uh, their last flying laps. Maybe they just cycled down to the bottom, they came across the line, and didn't go anywhere. So that car is bad. And and you know that it is all the car in this instance because Gasly and Ocon are both very talented drivers, both race winners. They both had podiums last year in a car that probably didn't deserve it. So I think you have to pin all the blame on the car itself here. Yeah, and, and Alpine uh, continuing to hemorrhage even post-race. A uh, bit of breaking news came through. Their technical director, Matt Harmon, and their, head of, and their head of aerodynamics, Derek DeBeer, have both res- resigned after the race today. So um, talk about a team that looks like it's just coming apart at the seams. Uh, it's going to be a long, slow fix. Uh, they're on a car with a completely different concept. This is what a pivot looks like. This is what a painful pivot looks like. This is what McLaren went through. This is what Mercedes has gone through. Maybe not to this extent where they were all the way at the back. We saw McLaren be all the way at the back last year. This is what happens when things don't line up right in Formula One. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of uh, – I've got a lot of friends who are Alpine friends, uh, who are Alpine fans. But, man, uh, I feel for you today, and it doesn't look like it's going to get better anytime soon. Um, other highlights of the qualifying, other than the Delta times, and especially in the top ten, are ridiculously close. I mean, you're talking a tenth or two between – uh, making Q3 and missing Q3. I think uh, Oscar Piastri makes Q3 by like six one hundredths of a second or something like that. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda almost making it uh, into Q3, but not quite doing so. Um, you know, solid performances, like obviously Max being amazing. Just seems like he's got those. That's the three tenths that we thought we had out of testing. Bingo, right there it is for you. Uh, Ferraris, I think overall the second quickest, but shout out to George Russell being able to split the two there, you know, and again, not a lot of margin in it. The top seven, um, it's five tenths between the top seven. So, you know, it's not, 
so there's a, not a whole lot of margin that you have to necessarily gain to really fly up the order or fall down the order. So uh, at least that was what we had here. Now, what I would also say is this is also a very specific track. It has very specific characteristics um, that you're not necessarily going to see in other places. So it's great we had a tight qualifying. Uh, we'll have to see if that translates further into races down the line or uh, into uh potential race pace in other places as well. Yeah. That Ferrari did, uh, the Ferrari did look pretty quick though. Uh, a lot of people have been pointing out that Charles Leclerc's Q2 time was actually faster than Max's, uh, eventual pull time. So they've got the one lap pace still, um, as we'll get into in here with the race. Uh, they still got some, some other issues to sort out with the race pace, but at least, at least they still have that going for them. Uh, one last shout out to to uh, Nico Hulkenberg for surprising everyone who uh, didn't think the Haas was going to do anything uh, out of the gate here, managing to squeak through into Q3, uh, qualifying 10th. It um, was great performance, uh, very impressive. In fact, uh, both Haases uh, ended up qualifying fairly well, um, which you know was, was a breath of fresh air. Uh, he, everyone thought that they were going to be right where they were at the end of last year which was absolutely nowhere. Um, and it's good to see that they're at least uh, still putting in the effort and still trying to fight the good fight. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's, it looks like they've kind of come off of the off season drama and they've kind of, they have a plan and they've hit that, that plan. So yeah, good for them. All right. So we will start as we are apt to do with our back markers. Uh, so finishing NP 20 with steering, Steering wheel issues for both cars. Uh, Williams with Logan Sargent is the only guy who actually ends up down two laps. P19 was Valtteri Bottas. P18, Pierre Gasly. There's the Alpine, more pain. P17, Esteban Ocon, the other Alpine. Again, more pain. P16, uh, victim of lap one, kerfuffle. Nico Hulkenberg in the Haas kind of ruined the great qualifying. Would have loved to have been able to see what he could have done. Uh, P15 was Alex Albon, P14, Yuki Tsunoda, and P13, Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, we're going to have to talk about the Red Racing Bulls um, because uh, they got a little uh, – somebody saw a little bit of red there at the end. But, uh, Cody, what would you see and what's your take? It's actually a lot of stuff to talk about here with these back markers. Uh, we already kind of covered how awful the Alpine was and that they were the bottom finishers uh, of anyone that didn't have – direct misfortune. Uh, you mentioned that, uh, both the Williams cars had steering wheel issues. Uh, at one point, Logan Sargent pretty much like went straight on off the, off the turn in a place that you don't normally see people doing that. Uh, it was very frustrating for him and, uh, pretty frustrating for fans too. I was really hoping that, uh, we'd see something a little better from Sargent because if he can't show anything more this year, he's probably going to get the boot. Um, so yeah, really too bad for him to, to start off uh, finishing way at the back, two laps down. Um, Valtteri Botas had some pretty significant issues too. Uh, not with him or with the car directly, but uh, during one of his pit stops, uh, it appeared that we had flashbacks to his drive in Monaco where they had a hell of a time getting the wheel on and the lug nut on. Now, it looks like it, you know they managed to figure it out. It's not like that thing's coming off in a week, but he did have a pit stop that was over 50 seconds, which you know, instantly ruins your race. So uh, yeah, too bad for him as well. Yeah. What they ended up actually having to do 
was they had to take the tire back into the garage, take a hammer to the cro- it, the wheel nut had been cross-threaded. So to, in order to get it off, what they had to do was they had to take a hammer to it and shatter it. So what you don't see actually in the picture is you you watch the pit stop, you know, you just see the 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 dude with the with the uh, with the wheel uh, gun on the front on the front there. What what happens in the pit is they took the tire back to the pit. Now they can't change that tire because otherwise they'd have to change all the sets. So they have to bring a new set out. So what they ended up doing was they took a mallet to the old nut and shattered it, and then they had the new nut ready to go. And they brought the tire back and finally was it were able to get him out. So. Yeah, Valtteri, and they even mentioned it, you know, has the longest pit stop in the history of Formula One at two days and 25 hours, um, you know, from Monaco uh, when that happened, because that it, it still wasn't done even when they got it back to the factory. But yeah, kind of flashbacks to that. So that was unfortunate for him. Uh, yeah, I already kind of talked about it. I would have loved to have seen what Nico Hulkenberg could have done had, you know, uh, we were able to see Haas and race pace. I thought against their rivals, they actually weren't, weren't too bad. All right, I guess I, I can't go around it anymore. <laughs> what the heck happened with the racing bulls at the end? We had some weird team orders, which in the first race seems kind of odd to do. And then Yuki Sonoda, more than a little hot under the collar. Yeah, he. Uh, so he gets really frustrated near the end of the race where the team wants to uh, have Yuki let Daniel Ricciardo buy in order to have a run at Kevin Magnuson in front of him, because Daniel Ricardo was on the softer tire compound. Um, I believe they were fresher as well, so they wanted him to give a shot. At that time, Sonoda was already trying to, you know, make a move on Magnuson. He's in the DRS. He was, seemed like he was kind of hanging out, trying to stop for a pass. And so Sonoda gets really frustrated with the team order. It goes around another lap trying to uh, chase down Magnuson before finally... Uh, letting Ricardo through. Ricardo's not able to get by Magnuson either. Sonoda is just lighting up a storm on the radio, complaining that Ricardo's going too slow. Yeah, thanks guys for these team orders. You know, this is fantastic. You know, super sarcastic stuff. And then the the icing on the cake is after the race has been completed, for some reason, you know, maybe he's trying to vent his frustration. Maybe he's not uh, paying attention. But like you said, case of Yuki seeing red, he flies by Ricardo, then locks up and leaves a big trail of smoke in front of Ricardo. And then uh, once he gets the car back under grips, uh, speeds back by Ricardo again. Look like a road rage incident, if we're being honest. Ricardo seems kind of just taken in stride and goes, what the fuck? And calls, <laughs> calls Yuki a helmet, which is uh, an interesting choice of diss. <laughs> I'm not really sure what it means, but... Um, yeah, it was uh, really immature uh, behavior from Sonoda, who's you know now in his fourth season of Formula One. You'd expect him to have a little bit of a, a better grip on his temper by now. Yeah, for 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 a brand new team principal and Lauren Menkes, which is a guy that I kind of like. Um, now we get to find out how his crisis management works because uh, guess what? Now he has one. Um, one, I don't understand why you're doing team orders for P12. Um, there's no points on offer there. Like I got it. Like in the moment I could understand it. Cause Danny Rick was on a much newer set of tires. If Yuki gets out of his way, maybe he can, you know, work through the field. He wasn't going to score points, you know, from where they were, but okay, fine. 
But why Yuki got so angry and so mad about that is really a, a revert in form back to when he first came up. You know, we hadn't seen like the whole bit of progress was we're trying to find a way to calm this guy down so that, you know, we can focus on his job and, and here and there. This is a complete reversal back to form. Like, you know, you are one way and then you are who you are under stress. And here, apparently, Yuki Sonoda just saw red for about 30 to 40 seconds there. And he almost did something ridiculously dangerous. I mean, you know, he sm- you can see it from Danny Rick's onboard in, in the post-race on the cooldown lap. He gets really close. He almost turned his car into a weapon on the racetrack. And that is the type of stuff, I mean, had anything happened there, that's an instant race ban, uh, you know, for maybe multiple races. You cannot do that. You got to wonder if he's going to get a penalty anyway. He, he very well might, and he probably should. It, you know, just even even the potential to do something like that. It's a cooldown lap. There's no reason to be doing that to try to send a message. And number two, why are you mad at Daniel Ricardo? It was your team that had the order. You know, I, I would understand if you wanted to light the team up on the radio even coming back. But drive the car back, put it in park for May, get out and deal with it behind a closed door. You don't do it there. Yeah, just not a good look. You know, I like Yuki a lot. I think there's a lot of talent there. But uh, this was a a knock in the wrong direction, uh, absolutely for sure. Yeah. All right. So we will move into the midfield. And the midfield saw in P12, the coveted P12, that was Kevin Magnuson. Uh, P11 was Zhao Granyu. P10 was Lance Stroll, P9, Fernando Alonso, P8 was Oscar Piastri, P7 was Lewis Hamilton, got to talk about his day a little bit, P6 was Lando Norris, P5, George Russell, and in P4, falling down a bit in race pace, uh, Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari. Uh, So, Cody, big thoughts in the midfield. I would say that I was impressed with uh, George Russell's performance throughout the race. He put a Put on some good moves right at the start to uh, to take uh, P2, uh, which he held on to for a little while. And, you know, as the race uh, went on, the, the Ferraris were showing decent pace and they ended up getting back by him anyway. But, uh, yeah, you know, best finisher uh, next to the Red Bulls and Ferraris, which, you know, looked to be outright the two best cars. Um, really good performance from him and uh, uh, finished a couple places in front of Lewis Hamilton. Um, now that we know Lewis is going to be leaving the team. George Russell is going to be taking that, you know, you know, driver number one, team leader uh, type of role. Um, it's good to see uh, a strong performance out of him, especially considering last year was, you know, kind of eh. Yeah, I mean, I thought George had, um, I, I kind of would go with you and I would say very strong early. He looked like they had, both Mercedes cars looked like they had some sort of uh, issues. Lewis Hamilton complained that his seat had broken. Uh, George Russell was complaining about engine overheating, even though it was a pretty cool night. So that was maybe something that looked like a lot of Mercedes powered cars had some engine issues with Williams. And, you know, I didn't see anything on the McLaren side, but I know the Mercedes worst team was definitely both drivers were complaining of that. Um, It looks like they definitely have a good early stint pace. Both Mercedes cars did. But I think there's chewing up, and, and this may be a product of just Bahrain, just the surface, but it looked like they were kind of chewing through their tires a little bit quicker than they would have necessarily liked. I think Total Wolf said in the post-race that they had made a setup change that uh, they wish they could have almost gone back to, uh, you know, right before qualifying, uh, you know, go back to what they, they had in the practices. 
So they, they probably kind of set themselves up for not the best possible result here, but still admirable for both of them, considering, again, another new car with another new concept. Um, didn't necessarily lead to all of the big hype that we kind of saw, especially after Friday when they were like one and two in free practice too. And, you know, thinking, well, maybe they're, they're back and they're, they're up here, but uh, not necessarily to be. Uh, as, as for my boys for McLaren, um, solid day. Solid day. I will take this considering this is the track that uh, they normally don't do very well at. Um, they hadn't scored a point here in like three years. They get both cars in the points. So that was, you know, definitely good. Uh, could have possibly been more in qualifying. Lando's kind of kicking himself. He thought he had another tenth or two in it. Uh, looked like he dropped a couple of two tenths in the first sector on his last flying lap. And if he doesn't drop those two tenths, he's maybe up through two or three, maybe four places. So, you know, definitely good things coming. I want to see what that car does in other places. Uh, and we know that there's upgrades coming. I think uh, according to Ted Kravitz, they thought by Miami, they expect to have the, the real set of like what they wanted to have for race one on the car. So lots of good things to come for them. So I'm still excited uh, about what the potential is, but it's going to be a fight. There's definitely that blob of, Aston, Ferrari, Aston uh, McLaren, and Mercedes are definitely kind of going to swap, I think, back and forth, especially mm -hmm. in these early rounds. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and uh, big thoughts on Ferrari. Um, you know, it, it, still struggling a little bit with race pace. Uh, definitely have the, the, the one lap pace. Again, I think their result, I would say, is still pretty solid. I loved what Carlos Sainz was doing with that car. Uh, he definitely went out to go prove a point, and I think he job done, uh, I would say there. Uh, for Leclerc, um, struggled with brake balance throughout most of the day. So that was, uh, you know, when you don't have confidence in the brakes on a track that is all straightaways and heavy braking zones, that's going to be really tough ask to do. So I can understand, but he still comes home P4, solid points for Ferrari on the day. All right, uh, so our podium uh, the aforementioned Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari finishes P3. P2 is Sergio Perez. And in P1, 22.457 seconds clear. Max Verstappen in the Red Bull. Yowza. Uh, besides Max just doing Max things, thoughts on the podium finishers? Uh, I thought that they were all pretty well deserved. I mean, Max, as you said, doing Max things finishing well out in front of the rest uh and it, uh, looking at like the uh the delta as it was getting to like the last couple laps of the race it looked like he decided all right i'm gonna you know turn up the heat here a little bit and he looked like he opened up the gap on perez by even a couple more seconds just in the last couple laps there um so it definitely looks like he's got uh you know room to to really push that car if he needs to and uh, it's definitely ominous for what the rest of the season might hold. Um, Perez, uh, you know, obviously not uh, as dominant in this race as Max, uh, but uh, still making it work. P2, you know, it's the best you can hope for. Um, and, uh, you know, getting that that one two to start off the season again uh, makes Red Bull look really good. And I imagine, uh, you know, Perez has got to be pretty happy with that performance. And then, yeah, lastly, Carlos Sainz, uh, you know, always. Uh, is continuing to impress me. I, when he first went to Ferrari, I did not think he was going to be uh, nearly as good as Leclerc. Um, but he keeps proving that wrong over and over again. He, he 
really wants to bring the fight. Uh, he's gotten a couple uh, a couple wins there with Ferrari. Um, he's you know pushed Leclerc to the limit many times, um, including some really good racing today uh, between the two of them. Albeit, like you said, Leclerc was having uh, seemingly more issues with the car. Uh, he was locking up and, and going off pretty much every time they showed him on camera. Um, but yeah, science put it together really well today. Um, and I thought his drive was really impressive and he gets the, uh, the podium to show for it. Yeah. And Carlos signs was voted driver of the day by, uh, the, the attending and watching fans. So, uh, that's a good honor for him. Um, but I mean, you'd look at max and my gosh, um, the things that made him be Thanos last year have only seemed to have gotten better. That car is so gentle on its tires. It's not funny. The first stint, he's able to go three or four more laps on than anybody else on the soft compound with the car full of fuel. The second stint, he's able to pick whenever he wants to come in. Um, And then he puts on another set of soft tires. And even though he's got 15 laps on him, just kept, like you said, he just kept extending the gap whenever he wanted to which makes me think he's not even really turning that car all the way up in anger yet. Uh, it's it's just very foreboding. It's ridiculously ominous. Um, I will give him the absolute marks for the Bahrain and, and, and secure circuit because uh, nobody was touching him, not in this car, not in probably any car. But, uh, you know, you just hope that there's going to be other circuits that are out there that, you know, statistically something – might give, uh, but uh, if you wanted to put a warning shot across the bow to the world, uh, he did so. He did so in spades. Yowza, yowza, yowza. Yeah. You had Max and Sergio Perez both on soft tires for about the last 20 laps of the race. And when they did that, I was like, really? Like, I don't know if that's such a great idea. That's like a third of the race distance on softs that you still got to do. And Carlos Sainz was saying over the radio, yeah, when, uh, when does it look like this, you know, the, the hards that I'm on are going to become the faster tire. And it turns out the answer was never because <laughs> that car is so five laps after the, the checkered flag. Yep. And yeah, so there was, it looks like the tire deg is, uh, is very low, at least here on, on that car. And that was, that was, uh, the Red Bull's strong suit last year was being able to make the tires last and, and really, uh, you know, extend their advantage over long runs during the race. So uh, it looks like they've they've only made that better. Yeah, I mean, you got to think. You know, you try to think about ways to try to beat them. Is you got to beat you got to beat one of them off the start. You got to get them in traffic because if they're in clean air, it it it's gone. You know, I mean, it it's just Max was just doing whatever he wanted to do, and it wasn't even was not even close. I mean, I can't, I wish I could say that they, it felt more competitive. It felt competitive until like the 13th lap of the race. And then you look at the Delta and it's like, Oh, where's max 12 seconds down the road. Uh, and the 22 seconds is probably uh, flattering more to Perez than uh, to anybody else because yeah. Uh, but all right, I guess we will leave this race here. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll re-rack everything up. We'll take a look at where the drivers and the constructors are. It's actually going to be a pretty easy rundown because we just kind of gave it to you, but uh, we'll do the math on that. Uh, We'll open it up to your comments, the fan email segment. We do have some. Our normal people are out and back for 2024. It's good to see. 
Uh, so uh, we'll get into all that and we'll react to that. We will bring back our awards. We'll talk about what annoyed us, what we thought was weird about strategy, uh, who we thought did a better job than they were not, we were expecting, and who was the best on the day. And then we'll also talk, I'll recap uh, the predictions from our preview episode. Uh, Cody, you should be smiling. I'm just going to tell you right now about that. But uh, we'll get into all that, so come on back and we'll hop into it. You are listening to the Outlap F1 podcast, and we'll be right back after this quick pit stop. Grab your flu powder, broomstick, or apparate to your favorite audio streaming service to join the discussion on Hogwarts, a podcast, where Dan and his friends have in-depth chapter-by-chapter breakdowns of each Harry Potter novel. Join the group as they dive into the magical world and discuss plot points, analyze character development, and occasionally go off the rails. Whether you're a muggle who's new to the series or a pure-blood wizard who won't need a remember-all, Hogwarts, a podcast, brings everyone to the Great Hall for a magical discussion. Hogwarts, a podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back in. This is season six. This is episode number four of the Outlap F1 podcast. It's our 2024 Bahrain, I hope I say that correctly, uh, GP race review. You've got Andy and I'm along with Cody tonight, and we just wrapped up our uh, the first race of the season review. Uh, so now we're going to take a look at where the standings shake out after round one, and then open it up to uh, my favorite segment of the show, fan email segment, where we get your take on what you saw over the course of the weekend. Uh, so, Cody, if you do the drivers, uh, I will take the teams. All right. Drivers uh, standings as of the first race are always really easy because it's more or less just the order that they finished in. Uh, Max Verstappen is in P1 and, you know, I've got a sneaking suspicion he's probably going to stay there for most of the year, if not all of it. Uh, he finishes the first race with 26 points because he had just a super dominant weekend. I believe he got pole, got fastest lap, led every lap, and won the race. So, uh, yeah, pretty ominous uh, performance for Max. Uh, in second place, his teammate Sergio Perez uh Finished second, second in points with 18. Third place, Carlos Sainz uh, for Ferrari with 15 points. Fourth place, Charles Leclerc in the other Ferrari at 12 points. George Russell with Mercedes uh, with 10 points. Uh, Lando Nor- Norris, first of the McLarens, uh, he has eight points. Lewis Hamilton uh, down in seventh place uh, for Mercedes with six points. Oscar Piastri, the second McLaren uh, in eighth place with four points. Uh, Fernando Alonso, um, you know, sunk back during the race a little bit, but still managing to scrape together a couple points for Aston Martin. He gets two. And Lance Stroll wrapping out the top 10 uh, in the other Aston Martin with one point. Yep. And now your team standings. So here's the here's the good news. The Delta to P1 and P2 is only eight points in the Drivers' Championship right now. That may be the, slow, the least Ooh, amount boy. that it's going to be. So we can at least – I'm looking for positives wherever I can find them. Uh, the team standings, Red Bull racing powertrains, I think have ma- uh, maxed out the possible points on the weekend. They, uh, start the year just like they did last year, 44 points, uh, very impressive showing, uh, for sure. Uh, Ferrari check in in P2 with 27 points. Mercedes are P3 with 16. McLaren are P4 with 12. Aston Martin are 
in P5 with the three points that they got. Kick Sauber, Haas Ferrari, Red Bull, or I'm sorry, uh, V-Carb, Williams, and Alpine are all on zero points. But uh, because of the tiebreakers, it's Kick Sauber in P6. P7 is Haas. P8 is V-Carb. P9 is Williams. And P10, they may be there for a while. That's where you see Alpine. It's a little it's a little goofy to see only five teams with points. Well, yeah, but your top five is who maxed it all out. And that may be what, you know, unless, unless there's some reliability that kicks in, that may be what you see for a bit of a while. Um, But again, I come back to Bahrain is one specific type of track. It's where they all went to go test. I didn't think you were going to see anything that you weren't expecting out of that just because there was so much running. We now go to places like Jeddah. We go to places like Japan, uh, that have very different run plans, very different needs, and very different characteristics of what's, what's going to suit what car. So I don't think this is going to be your running order throughout the whole season. I don't think you're going to see 24 races where it's like this. Uh, there will be some, uh, yeah, I got my fingers crossed as well, but that's what I'm banking on. Um, all right, so we will now turn it over to your takes on what you saw this weekend. It's the fan email segment. Uh, Rachel Fleming, welcome back. Uh, she's, uh, as Cody said, written a bit of an essay for us, but, uh, Cody, uh, what, what you got, uh, in the fan emails? Let's start with Rachel. All right. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, she says, welcome back folks. All I can say is that it's groundhog day. Uh, seriously, it's basically 2023 all over again. Uh, Max so far out in front. Uh, again, it was scary. Uh, I mean, Liberty media, uh, could cope with one season of ridiculous max domination. Two or three seasons, uh, will damage the sport. I dread seeing the viewing figures after lap two. Uh, even in the Schumacher seasons, uh, there was only one season like Max's. I would I would argue two seasons. Uh, she says twenty or two thousand two. I would argue two thousand four uh, fits the bill as well, and maybe two thousand one, but less extreme. Uh, let's hope that the rest of the season is vast improvement. Uh, but I do suppose the story of the season could be Signs versus Leclerc. Uh, will Signs listen to any team orders? Uh, Another story could be what on earth happened to Alpine. Uh, McLaren were badly off the pace in last year's race. Uh, finally, what a race on a Saturday. Or, or I'm sorry. Finally, why a race on a Saturday? I'm an old traditionalist. Practice one and two on a Friday, barring Monaco, which is Thursday. Practice three in quality on Saturday and then the race on Sunday. Uh, but let's finish with positives. Good race from Joe. And uh, the podcast is back. Yes, it is. And uh, thanks. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that uh, you're excited that it's back. Um, I agree with you on most of the points. Um, I actually kind of liked having the race on Saturday <laughs> because it makes it really easy to do the podcast here with Andy and uh, not have the pressure on because I don't have any <laughs> I don't have to be at work. I don't have to be up early. So it's actually kind of nice. A uh, nice little change of pace, in my opinion. Um, I do think that uh, Signs versus Leclerc is going to be uh, a good story. I think that Signs, knowing that he's on his way out, is going to probably be a little less apt to listen to things like team orders, um, which I think will make things kind of exciting. I gotta imagine he's gonna try to he's gonna try to perform to his best no matter what. But I think he has a little extra incentive now because he wants to show Ferrari. I think you're making a mistake by letting me leave. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if it comes right down to the end of the year, uh, between the two of them. Yeah. I mean, the dynamic between signs and Leclerc is one that I have 
kind of zeroed in on. And it was kind of interesting that we got to see the two of them race today. Now, granted, we knew Leclerc was having some mechanical issues with his brake bias and stuff like that. So we didn't really see, I, I don't think we saw like what the result of that is going to be over the course of the year. It's going to be tracks where Leclerc will be able to, will definitely be more dominant and the car will be working much better for him. Uh, but it was great to see Carlos Sainz come out and be punchy and fighting. And that's what he's going to have to do. Uh, he's got to show any potential suitors that are out there. Hey, I'm a viable candidate. Toto Wolf, find my number. I, you know, I, I'm available. Um, you know, and he said he's willing to talk to any uh, the, the 10 teams up and down the grid. So uh, this guy is definitely not done. Um, I know how hard it, the guy works. I've seen him when he when it was with, with McLaren. How much of a of a worker he really was. Uh, so I'm 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 on board with Carlos Sainz. I want to see him do well. I want to see him end up in a great spot. I think that Mercedes seat would be the most logical for him to go to, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's where he's going to end up. Um, I you know I've I've said before. I also think the next logical one would be the the Sauber team when they rebrand over to Audi because of the uh, connection uh, but that, that Sainz has with uh, Andreas Seidel. So, I, I, you know, those are my two thoughts there. Um, I can explain the why we're racing on a Saturday, and that is due to uh, the Ramadan holiday, which is set to start next Sunday. So you have a couple of different regulations that are going on. You cannot have back-to-back -back races less than seven days apart. So because they in Saudi Arabia, they observe Ramadan, they are not going to be able to run a race on a Sunday. That race has to be on Saturday. The only other way to have this race slot in would be to have this race on a Saturday as well. So it's this schedule for the first two, and then you're back to your traditional Friday practices, Saturday, quality, Sunday race. Um, the only part of that about this that I am not for, uh, believe it or not, is the Saturday or the Friday qualifying because I have to do this literal balancing act between um, my work computer and my not work computer and seeing what volume is on. And uh, sometimes if I'm on a call and the team radios comes on the air and I don't realize I didn't turn the volume down, they're like, what was that? Oh, nothing, nothing. It's fine. Uh, what, what, what do you need? What can I do for you? You know, all that sort of good stuff. Other than that, I mean, the Saturday schedule was fine. It's nice to kind of have less pressure on my edit and not have to be up till three in the morning on a Sunday and have to work tomorrow. So um, that's actually not a bad thing either. So, you know, it, and maybe this becomes a test case to try it for certain weekends moving forward where, you know, in certain localities, maybe this works out better. I don't know. So we'll have to see, but thanks Rachel. Again, I appreciate uh, the, the quick timing. You guys were uh, on it before the race even ended, which is, it's great to see. So we appreciate the feedback there. Uh, so, Cody, our other one of our other regulars, the formula has chimed in. What does he have to say? Uh, the formula says, uh, well, they can't all be bangers. On to the next. Uh, we seem to be well past the reliability issues the teams have experienced over the past couple of years. Uh, that is a good thing, but it does make the results a bit more predictable now. Uh, I don't want to take away too much from this uh, Grand Prix, since this is also the circuit that all the testing was done at. Oh, I see what he's saying there. Yeah, I don't want to take away too much from it because that's where all the testing was done at. Uh, maybe this is the new Barcelona uh, that said it looks to be an extension, or that said, it looks to be an extension of 2023 in terms of pecking order at the moment. Um, I was hoping for more from McLaren, 
uh, but they're starting still starting stronger than they did last year. Uh, yes, McLaren definitely in a much better spot than they were one year ago. Um, yeah, they're not looking as strong right now as they did at the end of the year uh, in 2023. But that said, uh, like Andy mentioned earlier, McLaren has some uh, upgrades that are not too far away, um, probably by uh, Japan or Miami. Uh, and if they're anything like they were, uh, you know, probably through the year last year, uh, that could really move them up the order. Um, they're going to be up against everyone else that's upgrading, but they seem to do pretty well with that. Um, I am hoping that next year, and it, you know, seems like it might be the case. Uh, I'm hoping the next year McLaren might actually have their intended car ready for the start of the season. So we're not waiting, you know, four or five, six races in to see really what they're going to be able to do. Um, but yeah, they're not, they're not doing too bad at the moment. Um, yeah, uh, definitely not the most exciting race. We kind of knew where it was going to end up after the first 10 laps, uh, when Max was already uh, kind of taken off down the road. Um, and yes, for the re- reliability, these cars are astoundingly reliable. I mean, even if you look at the past couple years, uh, there really hasn't been a ton of mechanical-related issues uh, that have caused retirements. You know, in the first uh, season with these cars, 2022, uh, you had some for Ferrari. You had a couple with Red Bull right at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, some stuff here and there. Um, but I would say you know, pretty much at this point, all 10 teams have pretty rock solid reliability. And I think for this season, for next season, uh, that will continue to be the case. We're going to see a lot of races where there's going to be uh, minimal retirements and that will really, will, will really play a part because you're going to have your top performing teams not dropping out and you're probably not going to see as many, uh, you know, nutty, uh, unexpected winners, coming out in the next couple of years. Now we can hope in 2026, they might all change again. We've got new engines and the engines are a big contribute contributor to the uh, reliability issues. So we'll, we'll just have to see if that really mixes up the order again. But I think, yeah, for now, like that reliability is uh, extremely impressive really. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more on, on the reliability. And, and when I think about the, the race overall and why it wasn't, you know, it, yeah, not a banger uh, is an understatement. Uh, I, I would agree with that, but what you, here's what you didn't have. You had no, almost no, no tire um, off strategy available here because nobody wanted to be on the C2 tire. They, they were all saying, all the commentary was very consistent about this, that they were saying that the C2 tire was not a preferred tire. They basically used it in the practice sessions to burn through it and get off of it as soon as they could. Um, so because you had the three hardest of the hard compounds that, that they could have brought, uh, you had the C1, the C2, and C3. Nobody wanted to use the C2. Everybody starts on softs, and then everybody switches to the hard tires. So there was no variability. That was the word. I couldn't think about it for a minute there. Um, there was no tire variability in this race at all, except for at the very, very end with the two Red Bulls on the set of soft tires and the rest of the field on the hards, trying to wait to see when that crossover point that you said you know pretty aptly earlier, Cody, never ended up coming. Um, so when you have that, it's really hard, uh, especially with, with in Formula One, to see a lot of um, fighting for position. You had a lot of, you know, here one car would get closer by a 10th and then it would lose a 10th. You know, this lap, 
you know, three tenths would come in this next, this, this next sector, they'd lose two tenths. So it was very, very tough to, to get inroads. And I still do think we have the endemic problem of when you get to within, it's not the three second barrier, like it was in the old formula, but with these cars, I think it's when you get to within two seconds, you do hit a wall of air that you have to punch through. And if you don't have a significant pace advantage, you can't punch through it to get to the DRS. And that's kind of what I saw here uh, today, which is what I saw, you know, which I think explains why you didn't see a lot of necessarily changing of positions once they kind of all settled out. Uh, in terms of McLaren personally, yeah, I mean, I've, I, I can see that the angle of wanting to see more, um, of not wanting to have any more patience and saying, you know, God dang it, why, why can't you get this right in the first couple races? I, I share that frustration in a lot of ways, but I also understand where they've come from and where they are now. Um, I'm willing to give them one more kind of year to get this right. Next year, my expectations are that if they don't hit the ground running, I'm going to get angry. And somebody out of them, there should be heads of rolling again because what they've planned for isn't working. Um, but I do think they're going to start off. And, and if this is the slow part, what's coming is going to be that much greater and that much better. And I'm really interested to see how they go next next week, because I think even Lando said it in his post race. Uh, we were good there on, a, on with a bad car. They had some bad luck in the first couple laps of that race where Piastri's front wing goes up and actually clips Lando's front wing. And Oscar Piastri took his teammate out without taking his teammate out. Um, but, uh, you know, beyond that, the, the pace in that on that track in Jeddah will suit them a lot better. It's a lot more high, fast, flowy corners. That's what the McLaren car loves. This package will work a lot better there. I'm expecting them to be kind of where Mercedes were here. Yeah, that'll be exciting. I will be excited to see it because, uh, you know, I am uh, a long, long time Red Bull fan. Uh, but I would say you have made me into <laughs> a, a, a McLaren fan as well. So I, I, I do find myself rooting for them uh, pretty much every race. Glad I can help. <laughs> our, uh, our next fan email comes from uh, Dave Doherty. Uh, and he says, uh, how do we feel ab about the, uh, the top five teams that are in the mix this year? Uh, do you think this is uh, the only the beginning of the season? Um, I'm guessing uh, asking if, uh, if it's these top five because it's only the beginning of the season. Um, I really think that this is going to be your top five that you're going to see throughout the entire season. Um, it does seem to be now that now that Aston Martin has made, you know, significant gains that started last year that, you know, while they are not as strong uh, in terms of performance as they were a year ago, uh, they are still, you know, pretty good. They got ninth and 10th position. Uh, we saw that Fernando Alonso, we didn't really mention earlier, but he qualified very well. Um, so that car is, is doing well on one lap pace and is, is good enough to, to wrap up at least those, uh, those last couple points positions. So, uh, and it does seem like there's a pretty significant gap between those top five and the rest. Now, you know, your, your midfield is almost kind of shrinking in a way because, uh, you're having some of those teams that we generally associated with the midfield, uh, you know, for many years, like, uh, uh, you know, racing points slash Aston Martin, uh, McLaren, even they're, they're making big gains and they're, they're getting uh, ever closer to each other to, uh, you know, top teams like Ferrari, Mercedes, even Red Bull. And so 
uh, part of your midfield is kind of joining uh, the front runners now. And uh, part of your midfield, like Alpine has, has sunk back uh, to be part of the back markers. So I think uh, at least this year, it's going to be less about uh, a couple front runners, a couple back markers and a big midfield. And it's going to be Red Bull, uh, the rest of the front runners, and then everyone else. And so I, I do really think that because of that, there's going to be very, very few opportunities for those other five teams uh, to score points because more often than not, uh, barring something kooky happening or the characteristics of a particular track, you're probably going to see those same five teams wrapping up uh, most of those points positions. So uh, like you were saying earlier, we really could see for a lot of the season, um, those other five teams with very low uh, point tallies. Yeah, I, I think we kind of got spoiled last year where we had all 10 teams scoring points and all 10 teams actually managing to score double digit points. I would be hard pressed to say that that's going to happen again this season. Um, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see those top five be dominant in different places. You know, there will be tracks where McLaren are the second fastest. There will be tracks where Mercedes will be more closer to the second fastest. Ferrari will be closer to the second fastest. Probably in general, you know, to start the season, I would say that's where they are. You know, but again, you go to different places, different characteristics, what's going to suit. Who, who executes that little bit better in qualifying? If the qualifying is this tight, it could be any one of five teams. And that could get some variability in at least the starting grid. Because, you know, and, I, and I'll say it again, because you tested here, I don't think there was anything anybody didn't know about this track. After especially three good days of testing and then a week to get ready for the race, there was nothing about this track that was surprising. If there was, somebody wasn't doing their job put it that way. So I'm interested to see kind of how this goes, but I do think you have a clear top five and then the rest. And it's going to be a question of if you're one of those in the rest, what has to happen for them to score? Well, obviously there needs to be either reliability issue with somebody in the top five or a lack of execution with somebody in the top five. But I don't think anybody in that bottom five right now has it on pure pace. Maybe V-carb over one lap can get close but if their race pace is indicative, as we saw here, um, that's that's going to be a tough ask. And then uh, lastly, uh, John did uh, chime in and uh, send us his thoughts on the race. And man, he is succinct. <laughs> uh, what we got from John is that a root canal is better than this race and likely this season. So... Definitely don't think John enjoyed this one. And I don't think John is going to enjoy seeing Max Verstappen win no, you know, 22 out of 24 races. Um, I hate to break it to you, though. That's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> We're all going to feel the same way. Well, and, and I think it was frustrating again here because you could see if you were if you were any one of the not Max Verstappen drivers, it was very difficult. You, were, you could see drivers closing on somebody, but they couldn't get there. Lewis Hamilton couldn't get there on Lando Norris. Lando Norris couldn't get there on George Russell at the end of the race. So a lot of that, again, entertaining stuff that we like want to have the crescendo lead up to at the end never happened. So it was all here and building up and then poof, nothing. And meanwhile, Max is 20 some seconds down the road. So yeah, as a entertainment product, this race did not meet that expectation. Uh, the hope is, is that like I, like I've been saying before, we go somewhere else. I hope it's a different story. And we'll have to see. That's the at least the interesting part. All right. So thank you for everybody. Uh, good, strong contributions from 
uh, our normal contributors there. We appreciate it as always. Uh, all right, so we will move into our awards, and we'll start with the rubbish. Uh, I have an off-track rubbish and an on-track rubbish. Uh, good candidates all the way around, but Cody, I'll let you go first. What you got? So my uh, rubbish award is going to go to Alpine. Um, I figured that if we're going to see Alpine here for the season, uh, I can't really give it to him every week. So I will start off uh, with giving it to him in the first race because I really think uh, no one was expecting them to be this bad. Qualified 19th and 20th. Probably would have finished 19th and 20th uh, were it not for, uh, you know, crazy pit things happening and, uh, you know, uh, equipment issues with Williams. And, yeah, that, that car is just really bad. Uh, like you said, people are resigning, possibly, you know, resigning, probably more or less getting fired from their positions. And we saw a lot of that with Alpine last year. So uh, it's really nutty what's going on uh, at that team with, uh, you know, turnover, turnover uh, of uh, management staff. And you have Gasly and Ocon who are just kind of stuck in the middle of it right now. Uh, looking at this being the peak of their racing ability and careers, um, the peak of their ability to perform and they're stuck with this like absolute dog of a car. So uh, yeah, I feel bad for them. I really hope that Alpine is able to, uh, to make some strides and, and at least get more competitive as the season goes on uh, kind of like McLaren did last year. But I mean, man, it's just not a great start. Yeah, I could echo your comments on Alpine up and down the board there. Um, I think that's a great point. Uh, so like I said, I have two. My off the track, and we haven't talked about it um, because I find most of this to be very incredibly icky and I don't enjoy trying to dive into it. But uh, the entirety of the Christian Horner experience to me this weekend uh, goes in the rubbish bin. Uh, it is just ugly all the way around. And if you don't know, the supposed accuser or somebody emailed every F1 journalist that they could find, all the team principals, Stefano Domenicali, Mohamed Ben Salem, supposedly all of the evidence uh, that was presented to Red Bull GBMH that, of course, then Red Bull GBMH went to go and cleared Christian Horner of any wrongdoing. I don't know that I necessarily want to comment on what I've read. I've read a lot of it. I've seen a lot of it. I've seen some things I would really have rather not. Um, it's just ugly all the way around, and whoever the accuser is, that's who I feel for in this, because like, like we said in the preview, there's no way to win this. Um, and I don't know if Christian Horner will survive this. It sounds like he's gotten through this weekend. Um, there may be more coming. I don't think the story is going to go away. I think this is something that unfortunately is going to hang over the paddock over the course of the next few months until there's some sort of a resolution. And I don't know what that resolution is going to look like. So yeah, uh, more drama probably on the way, but it's just, it's very icky. I don't like it. And I feel bad for um, the the young woman at Red Bull. Uh, on the track, Yuki Sonoda taking a run at Danny Rick after the race is something you should never do. I don't care how hot you are. I don't care how upset you should get. You should never, ever turn your car into a potential weapon like he almost did. Um, that should get you... Your, your super license banned, uh, as far as I'm concerned. If he if he had made contact, that's probably what would have happened. There may still be something that comes down the pipe about that. I don't know that that uh, issue is over, 
But uh, Yuki Sonoda, a guy who I generally like, uh, into the rubbish bin with Yi over that. That's just bullshit. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Okay. Well, I'm done getting mad. Uh, We'll move back into analysis paralysis. Uh, So, Cody, uh, what you got? Uh, Who screwed up on strategy this weekend? So my analysis paralysis, funny you were just mentioning Yuki Sonoda, is going to go to uh, the the VCARB team uh, for trying to pull that driver switcheroo in the first place. Uh, First race of the year, uh, you're not fighting for points. It does seem like a bit of an odd time to be playing games like that, having your driver switch places to try to move up one spot. You know, maybe... I don't think he was going to get another one and actually get into the points unless something crazy happened, like he had a last-minute retirement. So it seemed like a really weird time to be doing that, especially when Sonoda looked like he was trying to work on that pass himself. And, you know, all he did was, was, you know, really piss off one of your drivers. And, you know, what he did after that is, you know, his business uh, and his mistake. But uh, he pissed off Yuki Sonoda, who then went ahead and pissed off Daniel Ricardo, uh, and you never got any points out of it anyway. So now nobody's happy. Um, I think they really should have just left it alone uh, for this first race because the the gains, if there were going to be any, were going to be minimal. And uh, it, it looks like it from from the way everyone has reacted, it, it wasn't worth it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that is a perfectly legit candidate. Uh, mine is a little bit in a different direction. Uh, can somebody please explain Fernando Alonso's overall race strategy to me? Because I didn't get it. Um, it seemed like the pit stops were just at kind of odd times, especially the second one. For a while, it looked like they were going to try to hang him out on a one stop, which I thought was ridiculously bad, especially considering where they were. And then it looked like they pivoted to a two stop and they put him on a nice set of uh, you know, faster tires, but he's 25 seconds in arrears of Oscar Piastri and no chance of ever potentially uh, bridging that gap, given the fact there were only 10 laps left. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly what happened. I, I didn't get a chance to hear his radio. I would have loved to go back and actually uh, try to figure out what happened there. But it did make any sense to me. So that's my candidate uh, for analysis paralysis. All right. So Dark Horse on the day. Who punched above their weight? Uh, Cody, I'll let you go first again. What you got? I'm going to go with Joe Guan Yu. Uh, we didn't really mention him during uh, qualifying or a race uh, position review. And I really think that's because he was a dark horse. He managed to finish 11th just outside the points. I was not expecting that from stake uh, stake Sauber for this race. Um, if it was going to be one of the two drivers, I probably would have expected uh, Botas to be more the candidate for doing that. Uh, but yeah, 11th place just outside the points had overall uh, a pretty decent race. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I've never been uh, a super big Joe fan. You know, it seems like a, like a perfectly nice and, and capable driver. Um, I just, he doesn't have enough of those flashy performances yet uh, to, to really, you know, set him aside in my mind as uh, a great driver. He is a good driver. Um, but I guess you could say he too, he's in a car where he doesn't really have uh, the chance to, to show his stuff. But um, yeah, every once in a while you get, you get something like this where he is the uh, best of the rest. Uh, if we count those five teams as being a, a big lump up front. So uh, yeah, my, my award's going to go to Joe Guan Yu here. Uh, 
Yeah, my first comment when I looked at this was like, there was one here. <laughs> who are you going to pick? But uh, I guess I'll do one for qualifying and one in the race. Uh, I'll give it to Nico Hulkenberg for the qualifying performance. He was, I think, the star of qualifying, taking a Haas car that nobody predicted much of anything from, um, from what they said, how they tested. And they came out and did pretty good job. So uh, I thought Haas... Uh, Arrow may be pointing slightly up for them, which is uh, significant progress considering where they've been. So good on you, Nico Hulkenberg. I feel bad that we didn't get a chance to see what could have happened for them in the race. Uh, maybe punch above their weight a little bit there. Uh, but for the race, I will agree with you. Uh, I don't know how we could have both Zhao Grand Yu in a, as a dark horse in that car with that livery. But uh, uh, despite the fact that it was bright neon green, we didn't see him coming. So uh, uh, bad joke there. Um, but anyway... Um, so yeah, I'll give it to Zhao for the race. Uh, I thought he uh, did well. And, uh, maybe that's, uh, something to, to watch for in the, in the Sauber team. All right. So driver of the day, I'll be shocked if we don't agree on this one. Uh, I'm just going to go first. I would say it's the max award for a reason. I didn't change my thing from Abu Dhabi here. Uh, although I added, holy freaking Red Bull, um, absolutely dominant. I don't know what else you say about it. Uh, they were the goods. That car could do anything it wanted uh, on the secure circuit. And uh, they could have, the drivers could have asked it to, to you know, uh, dance to a fiddle. And I think that car would have done so. It was that much hooked up. But uh, amazing. Amazing. At some point, you know, we're going to not think of this as a bad thing. We're going to actually look back on this fondly. Uh, but today might not be that day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am totally in agreement with you. Uh, you know, the, the fans voting in driver of the day was Carlos Sainz. And while I do think he had a, a very strong, respectable race, Max just, he's, he's making it look easy. He's, he's driving the best car on the grid right now. And we, we see with Sergio Perez that, you know, having the best car, but being a, a good, or, you know, maybe even better than good driver, uh, will just put you a little bit in front of the rest. And then you've got Max Verstappen, who is, you know, even 22 seconds in front of his teammate uh, in the same car. So um, you can talk about how good the car is all you want, but I really think that what we're seeing here is the combination of the best car with the best driver, um, at least of, of, you know, these past couple of years, Max has been uh, clinical. He is, he makes very, very few mistakes. Uh, he manages to squeeze everything out of that car at just about every track, um, even when he's not 100% happy with how the car is set up. Uh, we saw throughout the weekend that, uh, you know, in, in testing, the car looked really great. They were really happy with it. Uh, during some of the practice sessions, he was complaining that uh, the setup was garbage and that he, he really wasn't happy with where the car was at. And we all thought maybe there was just a little bit of hope. And then we get to qualifying in the race and we see that there was no hope at all so yes i'm gonna say driver of the day uh goes to max for finishing so far out in front yep all right so last thing before we head on out of here uh is to recap the predictions that we tried to make uh for the bahrain grand prix these are actually pretty good i think we overall were really close and even the ones we missed on we're still really close uh but cody you finished the weekend with six points you got the pole sitter you got the fastest quality time by six one hundredths of a second, sir, your Delta was closer to it. So I tip my cap to you there. You got P1 on the podium for Max. You got P2 on the podium for Sergio with the Red Bull 1-2. 
you got the fastest driver in Max, and you scored the prop bet because there were no DNFs. Um, however, uh, you had one less than I did, so um, you win for that reason. Uh, I finished the weekend with four points. I got the pole sitter. I got P1 on the podium. I had the fastest driver for Max Verstappen. I had the fastest race lap time because Max actually put one on both of us and went about a half second quicker than both yeah. of us thought. However, your Pedro De La, Re- De- De La Rosa uh, lap record still holds. Uh, it was a second and a half uh, beyond that. So we will still be talking about uh, the PDR uh, race lap record uh, next year when we do our preview for Bahrain. All right. So final thoughts. Uh, I guess my final thought on this is here's the good news. The next track is completely different. Maybe we'll see some variability. We'll definitely see some different tires, uh, different surface. Jetta can be interesting. Jetta can sometimes be fun, uh, even if I don't necessarily like where in the world it's located. Um, but that's a discussion for another time. But, uh, Cody, what's your final thought before we head on out? Uh, pretty similar to yours. I am, uh, after, after being in Bahrain for testing and the race, uh, I'm a little little sick of this one, ready to move on to somewhere else. Um, and frankly, I'm a, I'm actually a pretty big fan of the Bahrain race. Uh, I think we've we've seen some pretty uh, pretty entertaining races here over the years. And uh, maybe it's not the best for uh, for passing, but it is it is a decent track. Um, but yes, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing something different. Uh, Jetta is, uh, as you described earlier, a very fast track, a lot of flowing turns. Um, so uh, a, diff- a different type of race. And despite the fact we've only had a couple races here, uh, they've tended to be pretty exciting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Looking forward to it being on a Saturday again, <laughs> even if it's just for one more. Um, and, and yeah, only, only a week away this time. So uh, uh, that part is great because I have been jonesing for some Formula One here for a long time. And it's, it's good to get two back-to-back right away because it'll hopefully uh, satisfy my fix for a little while. <laughs> yeah, and then they take a, a couple-week break, and then, you know, the schedule gets kind of weird in the beginning, and then it, it kicks off, you know, in earnest uh, quickly, and there'll be lots of it. Um, but we will be back probably Wednesday evening with our preview. Hopefully we don't have the same tech issues in getting the episode out like we did last time. Uh, so, uh, again, uh, follow our new Apple link. I will make sure I tweet it out. I'll put it on threads. All I got to do is check it. That should be getting all the latest and new stuff. I uh, appreciate everybody uh, hopping over to that new one. It'll just make uh, my life a little bit easier in this way. I don't have to keep trying to put it in both multiple places. Um, but anyway, that's for me to worry about, not for you guys. But uh, if you've been with us this long, thank you for sticking with us. We appreciate you. Uh, and as always, uh, we'll be back Wednesday. Uh, and as always, may all your laps be fast. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Outlap F1 podcast. If you like what you heard, click that subscribe button and be sure to leave us a five-star review. If you want to connect with us outside of the show, check out our website at www.outlapf1.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Outlap F1 podcast or email us at chatnow at outlapf1.com. As always, thank you so much for your support and we'll see you on the next one.